Welcome to Crosswalk, everybody. Thanks for being here today. You all right? Yeah, really? Are you? Because you feel kind of, you know, a little, a little chill. That 9 a.m. came out of the box like, yeah, we're church. And 10.30 was a little bit like you. You guys are just hungry. I know. It's noon. It's a weird time to have service, right? This is when we're supposed to be eating. My body's still like, I remember growing up at Los Area University Church, and when the pastor went over noon, the watch would go off. Like immediately like, beep, beep, beep. Somebody in that room had a calculator watch that would go off. And you could tell the pastor would be like, oh. Anyway, uh, thanks for being here. We'll try and make it relatively painless for you. I love that bumper. Don't you love that bumper? That sound of clunk, clunk, those slides moving. If you're a little bit older like me, you know what that means. That means class is going to be awesome. He says, you're not going to have to take notes. You're just going to have to watch the video screen. And then sometimes some, like I remember like evangelists would come around and they would have two or three of those slide projectors and they would fade into one another. Like, oh, it was fancy. <laughs> We've surpassed that a little bit now. Now it's ridiculous, right? But I remember that stuff. It was really cool. My dad, my dad, yeah, as you know, you know he, uh, he always went on tours and he fancied himself quite a photographer. So he would take a thousand pictures every summer and then we'd come back and he would go, uh, some of you are going to remember this, some of you won't. He'd go to Photo Mart or photo mat, like there'd be a drive-through that you drive through and you'd hand out all your rolls of film. And a few weeks later, or a few days later, I don't even know how long it took, probably months, I don't know. Um, you'd come back a few days later, I think, and then he'd have thousands of slides and he'd organize them and put them all in. And every year after the tour, we would have to sit down and watch his slides of the same places he had been every single year <laughs> for hours. And I remember when we were both teenagers, my dad was like, okay, tonight's the night. We're going to watch it. My sister and I were like, we have to go to Vespers. It's a church thing. You wouldn't want us to stop that. And my mom's looking at us like, are you serious? I'm going to have to sit here by myself and watch this. And we're like, yeah, see you later. And my dad was great because, you know, these are ancient archaeological sites. It's not like they change. Nothing changes except the people standing in front of him. And so he'd be like, and there's the Parthenon. And we're like, yeah, we know. It's looked the same for thousands of years. And he's like, and this year, here's the Parthenon. We're like, those are just two different people. We don't care. Anyway, um, but I think about remembering. And I was, you know, that's obviously the series that we're in. Remember, and last week we remembered tragedy and sorrow as we talked about 9-11 and we talked about looking back at that memorial, but we also talked about looking through that to the cross because that's the vantage point that we have as Christians. We go all the way through that. And um, I was thinking about what we need to talk about today, what's important for us, what, what makes a difference. And I thought it was, um, I, I thought something that we could remember is wisdom. I think that's what we need to remember today because there's a great deal of wisdom in scripture. In fact, there are some books that lean towards wisdom so much that they're actually called wisdom literature. There are three books in particular, as you know, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. But that's not all the wisdom that is in scripture, obviously. The whole book is full of wisdom. And when we're talking about wisdom, we talk about the Hebrew word chokmah, which um, means essentially intelligence, knowledge, but also things like prudence, discernment, and insight, right? It's, it's also fascinating to me that when wisdom shows up in Scripture, wisdom is characterized as a woman. Is that a surprise to any of us? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, right? I mean, you can go to YouTube and find like channels of things like why women live longer than men. And it's just men doing dumb things. 
which I feel like is a lot of modern society probably. Um, but, but yeah, when, um, wisdom is characterized as a woman. And the thing is that this really informs us on how we can design our lives. And this is some ancient design thinking. And if you know anything about me, you know that I'm really into design thinking and living intentionally. And that's a really important thing. Wisdom literature gives us an understanding of how we can get really good at developing the skills of a good life. Because it's true, a good life is a skill that is learned. It's honed, and hopefully we get some mastery over the ways that we make decisions. And there's a lot of aspects and there's a lot of moving parts. And the wisdom literature speaks to it, as does much other parts of Scripture. But it's especially creates a launching pad for really great decisions. Now, why is remembering wisdom important in general? I think it's simply because we forget to be wise at times, be it the hustle of our lives, be it our willingness to live shallow lives rather than deep lives at times, or our desire to look at others rather than ourselves. Wisdom is this destination that we're going to, but it's also a destination that we're from, where we come from the wisdom of the ancients. And I got to tell you, we live in a world with a lot of information, but very little wisdom right now. We live in a world that there's so much coming at us all the time. It takes a great deal of wisdom and discernment to understand how to sort through it. And I got to tell you, this is not a great time to be a pastor because what happens when you have so much stuff coming at you and, and you don't know how to discern through it is that you begin to just say no to a whole lot of ever, uh, uh, to a whole lot that's coming at you. Um, and, and what actually decays is trust. And so as a pastor, we're only as good as the trust we have in our congregation or the congregation has in us. And when you've spent your whole week saying, not this, not that, not this, not that, not them, not those people, not those words, all of a sudden we get, as pastors, we get lumped into that. And so what ends up happening is you don't listen with an open heart anymore. You actually become very closed off to the words and the biblical wisdom that we are trying to give to you. And, and I've seen it happen again and again, especially over the last few years. One word triggers, you're off and you don't trust me. We put something on social media and you assume all these things about us. And, and where does the trust go? See, this is the problem. Without wisdom, there is no trust. And without trust, you're never going to learn. And, and I got to tell you, and I know there's other pastors in this room, sometimes it feels like we're preaching to deaf ears. And it's really easy to tell. Because we preach, we talk about something, we talk about the, the yoke you're going to carry, the mantle that you carry, that your label as Christian means you should do something. And then we go on social media and we see what you're doing. And we see how horrible it is and how it doesn't honor God. Now, if I'm not talking to you, praise God. If I am, take a moment. But I got to tell you, it's tough. Because it's an erosion of trust and wisdom helps you discern who you should trust and who you shouldn't. And if it were just information, we'd all be fine. But wisdom is not just information. Wisdom is learning what to do with that information. Wisdom is practical in a lot of senses. But wisdom also has a very strong ethical and moral quality to it. 
In other words, wisdom helps you make better, more moral and ethical decisions. If it does not, you're not being wise. And you're certainly not being wise in the biblical vein of being wise. Because we're not trying to just be smart people. There's lots of smart people in the world. We're trying to be wise people. And we're not just trying to be wise in today's world. We're trying to be biblically wise. A wise that is informed by God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we're actually trying to do something very different than happens. I mean, listen, some of you have incredible degrees. You have incredible awards. You're the smartest people, like literally. Literally, some of the smartest people on the planet come to church here. It's frightening to preach to you because you're always like, no, nah, that's not it. Right? Smart doesn't always make you wise, although it's a part of it. But wisdom has a strong ethical and moral quality. It was fascinating. And, um, an article that came out from the Pew Research Center lately asked 38,000 people if they thought that a belief in God was necessary to be a moral person. And I don't know how you thought this was going to be answered. And by the way, this was a global poll, a global survey that was done, 38,000 people. And the, the outcome of it was pretty, almost surprising to me. 45% of the people that were surveyed said that they actually did believe that you needed God to be a really true and moral person, which I thought was kind of interesting. Right? I actually thought those numbers would be much lower. What was also fascinating is to see where those numbers came from and what countries thought you needed to be uh, you know, connected with God and what countries didn't and all that sort of thing. But, but whether you need God or not to be moral, you do need wisdom. And we have this deep well of wisdom to pull from, so why don't we use it? Wisdom also has a deep ref self-reflective quality to it. Right? And you sort of have to have the time and the inclination to think about yourself and to think about what you're doing, think about your circumstances, think about what God wants you to do, all that sort of thing. And, um, and here's what's fascinating. Um, we're Seventh-day Adventists. We actually take a whole day to do that every week. Like it is in our practice. It is in our mode. What we do is we take a whole day and we go, we're going to stop for a moment. We're going to think differently. We're going to think about what God wants for us. We're going to think about our families. We're going to think about our communities. We're going to think about the wisdom of the ages. And then we're going to live accordingly, I hope. But the problem is, I guess, if Sabbath is the only time you do that and it doesn't, it doesn't go to the edges of the Sabbath or bleed over a little bit from the Sabbath, then maybe you, you're a really great person on one day, but the rest of the time it's not so interesting to you. Whenever I think about self-reflection, I think about that phrase that is often given to Socrates, right? Know thyself. Now, that was not invented by Socrates by any means. In fact, it was the motto at the, on, the, on the lentil of the... Um, of the of the temple in Delphi. But the assertion is that you know yourself well enough to know how you're gonna respond, to know how you're thinking, and to know what is informing your thinking and how you do this. It's discernment, a discernment, a self-discernment. And so we're supposed to, if we're gonna be wise, we do have to kind of know thyself. But wisdom also calls out for more knowledge. This is one of the basic tenets of biblical wisdom is that we are lifelong learners. And Christians, we're all over this. We've got a term for it. It's called disciple. A disciple is not just a follower. A disciple is a learner. That's actually what it means. So we are committed, if we call ourselves Christians, we are committed to the continual learning about God, about ourselves, about the world, and, and continual not just learning, but discernment through that. That's what gives us wisdom. And so I thought I'd spend a little time in Scripture talking about wisdom, and I thought I would go to one of the wisdom literatures that are there. We'll start in Proverbs, and we're just going to do Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. 
And it begins like this with basically just the title. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Now, I don't know, you kind of grow up learning like Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived, and so he wrote this whole book of Psalms. Chances are he didn't write all these Psalms. Chances are some of them were his, and of course some of them were just wisdom that was around, and he aggregated it all so you could all go to one place. And apparently he was pretty wise as well, which is really important. So this is the title, we're about to get to the prologue, but it really challenges us to commit ourselves to the mastery of this book, to really understanding it. It will teach us how to do life in the best possible way. And, and there's one, you know, you grow up in church and you have to do a memory verse every single week. My family, oddly, was not big on that. But one week, my mom, like, you know, it must have been the beginning of the year or something. And she's like, okay, we're doing it all year. We're going to learn that text. And luckily, the first text of the first week of that year, whatever year that was, was Proverbs 12, 22. Um, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they who deal truly are his delight. That's the only psalm I, or proverb I can remember all the time. That one was, was wrenched into me. Um, they're, they're great little sayings, but there's a reason for them and there's a purpose. And so I thought we'd talk about the purpose of them. And, and I love that, that Proverbs actually says their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. And by the way, oftentimes wisdom doesn't come without discipline. Right? Because wisdom is practiced. Wisdom is something that you become comfortable with. Wisdom becomes your first instinct when it becomes the thing that you do all the time. They have a purpose and they have a point. Right? To help them understand the insights of the wise. And wisdom, we have to understand, is practical. Right? And oftentimes people go, yeah, wisdom, it's just common sense. The thing is, common sense is not common to everybody. Right? And you know this, like you know this because you will watch somebody you love do something so stupid that is so easy to do. And you're like, this is the dumbest person on the planet. Like I worry that my wife thinks I might be the dumbest person on the planet because I will look at something and be like, I don't know how to fix that. And she'll walk over and be like this. And then it works. It makes no sense to me. Common sense is not common sense because you probably have a very particular kind of common sense that you're really good at and you probably have a very different kind of common sense. This is kind of what makes the world go around. It's really good. We don't think everything is the same. So wisdom is not exactly common sense, but wisdom is practical. If wisdom does not affect the way that you live your life, it's not wisdom. It's just knowledge and it doesn't matter because you're not putting it into play, which is really important. Proverbs 1.3 continues. It says, the purpose... Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. There's that word discipline again. And successful lives. To help them do what is right, just, and fair. And do you see how that comes on? Successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So you could be incredibly wealthy, seemingly successful in all aspects of life. But if you are not creating a world that is more right, just, and fair, you're not very successful. You just have a lot of money. Good for you. I mean, that's great. And whatever. <laughs> But at the end of the day, it can't just be about that. If it was just about that, then we wouldn't call Jesus Christ our Lord. We would, we would call something else our Lord, right? So it has to be bigger than that. 
And wisdom, by the way, also includes being intellectual. Like you've got to like be a learner. You've got to be somebody who goes in. I remember when I got my doctorate, I was defending my doctorate, which sounds like way more, you know, valorous, valorous. I don't know what the word is. It sounds like I would have a sword and be protecting and defending my doctorate. That's not how it works. I was just answering questions. And I remember I, I finished the question. They said, I said, any more questions? They said, no, we think you've answered them. We need some time. We'll call you right back because we're on a, on a group call. And I was like, okay. So I hung up the phone, waiting with bated breath. Phone call comes. I pick it up. And they're like, Dr. Gillespie. I'm like, yeah, boy, that's amazing. I was super excited. Yeah. And um, except that it felt like they were talking to my dad. But no, I was like, okay, thank you so much. I'm, I was really excited. Da, 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 da. Hang up the phone. Call up my wife. She's like, let's go celebrate. I'm like, yep, I know how I'm going to celebrate. I'm not going to read a book ever again. <laughs> Shouldn't have to. I'm clearly, I have not only mastered, because I had already gotten my master's of divinity. I had clearly already mastered that. Now it was a doctorate. I knew everything. It was a terminal degree, they call it, right? Terminal means I don't have to do anything else, right? Which worked out for about six months. And then I was all out of stuff to watch on Netflix. And so I had to start reading books again. Also, if you, if you follow my preaching, it may have taken a discernible dump through that period where I was making a lot of like illustrations, you know, to, to television shows. So um, you've got to be intellectual if you're going to be wise. You have to study. And if you're not good at it, you've got to study with people that can help you be better at it. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple and knowledge and discernment to the young. Learning. But there's always been this idea of morality. We want our young people to learn how to live well. But if we think it's just for young people, then we've misunderstood what it means to be a disciple. Of course, there's going to be um, um, impetuses for moral and for self-control. Discernment is important. That's what we're really talking about here. Discernment speaks to our understanding of what is right and what is good and what is true. And we want our young people to know that. And we want, you know, the, the term in scripture, which is probably not very correct, is the idea of simple. But those who have a hard time with it. But all this is wrapped up in the idea of wisdom. Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. So it's not just for the simple, it's for those of you who think you're very wise already. There's still more to learn. And, and we know this, right? The more we learn, the less we really understand. The more we learn, the more we know how big the universe is and how hard it's going to be for us to get it. We never stop learning. Let those with understanding receive guidance. So me getting a doctorate was just the beginning of my understanding. Just the beginning of me learning. In a life that's going to take a lot of time where I want to learn and helps me understand the mysteries that we've been given through the Bible. I love it when it's Proverbs 1, 6 says this, by exploring the meaning in those Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. What? There's, yeah, there's riddles because there's mysteries packed in words in Scripture. And, and we have to be wise to learn how to discern what those mysteries are. Part of being wise is that we are engaged in unpacking the mysteries of God. And this is exciting work for all of us to do. Not just your pastors, not just your teachers, for you. But sometimes we ask the question, right? Where does it begin? 
Where does wisdom begin? And we know that scripture speaks to it. And as soon as I read this particular text, you're going you're to feel like, oh, okay. But at the end of this prologue, it tells us where the beginning of wisdom is. And it simply says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right, is how we've heard it said. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Right? This is the fundamental principle of biblical wisdom, that it starts with God, not anywhere else. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't start with your community. It doesn't start with your religion. It starts with God. That's where it begins. But fools despise wisdom and discipline, so fools are never going to get there because they're not interested in getting there. I mean, we got to recognize that many will reject wisdom and will reject God. But the pursuit of wisdom always starts here. And of course, it says fear of the Lord, right? But this really means, as you probably know, a healthy respect for God is a fear of the Lord. It's not being fearful of God, but having a healthy respect for what he is saying. This is how this plays out in your life. Fear of the Lord is living these words that you say you believe. Because when you go out and act and function as if those words don't have any meaning anymore, you mock God. You use the Lord's name in vain. It's not saying a particular oath in front of the word God. It's taking these words with so little weight that they don't change the way that you live, the way that you respond, the way that you act, and the way that you react. That's when we mock God. That's when we take his name in vain because we have put his name around our necks as the yoke that we carry. And if it does not inform the way that we respond to one another, we are really in trouble. But maybe you're thinking like, I'm not the wisest person in the world. I've never been known to be that wise. Um, so let's ask the question, how does wisdom come to us? Like, where does it, where does it come from? Excuse me one second. And, and the beauty of having not just the Old Testament, but also having the New Testament is that there's continued clarification on who God is. And so in James chapter one, verse five, it says this, if you need wisdom, it's like they were answering the question. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. It's not gonna rebuke you for asking. James is addressing the believer who lacks wisdom in handling trials, in handling conversations, in handling disputes, in handling just leadership even. Wisdom, and he's talking about like Old Testament kind of wisdom, right? It's a God-given and God-centered discernment regarding the practical issues of your life. Wisdom comes from prayer for God's help. And God clearly gives genuinely or with a single-minded liberality. And he gives without reproach. It means he doesn't want anyone to hesitate to ask him. I used to, I used to work at a certain institution and um, I worked with a comp, comptroller, controller, comptroller. I don't know what a comptroller is, but I know a controller. It felt like he was in control of a lot. Um, regardless, he was the guy I had to go ask for money. And when I would go ask for money, this, is, this would be how I would be met. I'd walk in, he'd be like, oh, what do you want now? That's rebuke. And you know, sometimes you need money to do your job, right? Sometimes it just works that way. And so I wasn't somebody who asked for outlandish things. I don't believe. I don't know. Now that I'm the guy that they have to come to, sometimes it does feel outlandish. Maybe I need to watch my behavior. Let me reflect on that for a moment. My staff may be here going... You need to listen to your own sermon, man. 
But every time I'd walk in his office, he'd be like, oh, what now? What now? It was a rebuke. God's not doing that to you. God's saying, no, I've got more. What do you need? I've got more. I've got more. You need more wisdom? I've got more wisdom. Let me hand it out to you. I'm happy to give it to you, whatever you want. Because God knows what happens when we don't remember to be wise, when we don't remember wisdom. And for this, I'm going to jump to Ephesians because Ephesians was having trouble with wisdom in some respects. They were having trouble with discernment. They were having trouble trouble knowing where to go. And so this is what um, Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Don't be fooled by those who have discerned that sin is okay. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things in the things that these people do. And in other texts, it says, don't partner with them. Don't participate, don't partner with them. In other words, sometimes wisdom means going against the swell of where everyone's going. And here's what's funny. Because we live in such a divided world, I'm gonna say something like this and half of you think the other half are taking people in the wrong direction and others of you think the other half is taking people in the wrong direction, never to meet. You've gotta live beyond that. You've gotta transcend what we are being given in today's world, friends. Because if you don't, God can't be honored. I don't care which side you're on. I don't care who you say you believe in. If you cannot discern what God has for you, And by the way, if you want to know whether or not you're following the leading of God, well, here are the fruits if you're not. Things like hate, anger, wrath, lying, cheating, stealing, hurting people purposefully, taking, rejoicing in their pain, gossiping even, all these things. The list goes on. There's tons of lists in scriptures of, of what happens when we are living by being deceived in life. But see, Paul, in his, in his recommendation to the Ephesians, that they not follow along, that they discern better than they have, he says, listen, there's a reason. Listen, once you were full of that darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, right? Now you have wisdom. Now you have discernment from the Lord. It comes from God. We saw that in James. It definitely comes from God. So live as people of the light, The reason you live this way is because you are with Christ and he has become your first instinct. That discernment that you have comes from Jesus. That discernment that you have of what you should do, how you should act, how you should respond, that comes from Jesus. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And we know what those fruits are because we've seen them in our lives. We've seen them in the lives of those who claim Jesus and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible's clear on this. When we listen to who God is, when we listen to the wisdom that he gives us, the world becomes a a better place, a more compassionate place, a more just place, a more loving place. Those are the fruits of the Spirit that are spoken of in Scripture. And here's the funny thing about wisdom. God doesn't need any. So wisdom is specifically for us. Like wisdom is given so we might live with more peace and more purpose so that God might be blessed in this world through the choices that you make and the way you choose to live your life. 
God's not saying you need to be wise to make me better. God's saying you need to be wise because this is for you. Because the lives you're living are not going to be as great as they could be. They're not going to be as joyful as they could be. They're not going to be as healing as they could be. They're not going to be as helpful as they could be if you don't have wisdom. I've been preaching for 25 years. Long time. I've said way too much probably. But I've never preached through a time where people are so distrusting. That can't be how it remains. That can't be how we live our lives. We have to take a step back from the waves that are coming at us for a moment and figure out what God wants us to do and where he wants us to go and how he wants to do it. Because all this wisdom leads so that we might carefully determine what pleases the Lord. You need some self-reflection. You need to recognize where there's moral or ethical failures that you need to fix or you need to not fall into again. You need to commit yourself to learning more, but then learning how to discern through that more that you get. And you have to learn how to discern through all the biases that are put in place by things that you can't even see in life. Because I have serious concerns for us that as we distrust one another, we begin to distrust God especially when God says something that doesn't fit with the narrative that we really want to believe in. You know what they say, if God agrees with everything you think, maybe you've made God in your image, not you being made in his. I understand that this might be a hard word for some of us. It's a hard word for me. But we have to be part of the solution that the world needs. Or else I'm not sure what we're doing here. Because the world is God's, not just this church, not just these people. And he calls us to be wisdom and discernment for the world at times. And hope and joy and peace and compassion, justice and mercy, equity and fairness. And if we're not interested in being those things, or if we, if we think we can get there by our own means, I think we're mistaken. I think we're missing what scripture says about the kind of God that we worship. I know your ears aren't deaf because I know that there are times the Holy Spirit's gonna open them for you. So let's pray for wisdom today because we all need it. Lord of grace, today we're just gonna pray for this one thing, just for wisdom. Lord, for those of us who don't have it, just begin to pour it out into our lives. So much that we, we pause because we realize we're going against our first instinct. We're, we're stepping back when we normally just lean in. We're taking a moment. We're saying it differently. We're thinking it differently. And Lord, for those of us who feel like we are okay, we're pretty wise, Lord, humble us a little bit so we can take in more of your wisdom. 
Lord, that doesn't mean we don't have deep convictions. Of course not. But how we bring people along in those convictions that you've given us, Lord. Make us wise in that. And Lord, as we worship you one last time, fill us with your Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that's going to get us through all of this. May we remember you and remember the wisdom that you give. In your name I pray. Amen. Stand and worship one more time.